I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high-quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Bantwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Chanti. And I'm Lynx, and you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to Muses, the podcast all about the wives, groupies, girlfriends, etc., etc., etc. of rock and roll history. I'm Shanti. And I'm Lynx. Welcome, everyone. Shanti, as always, it's a pleasure to see your face. It's been a crazy couple weeks, and we haven't really been talking that much, but uh, I know that you finally got over a mountain of work and... Uh, <laughs> I'm really excited. We have had a lot of great things happening over here, though. We did two crossovers recently uh, with She Will Rock You and Rock Candy. I hope everyone has checked those out and checks out their podcasts as well. What else have we got going on, Shanti? Um, what have we got going on? Well, you and I are just reading books on our own, preparing our next episode, thinking about our next interviews, hopefully spending a little bit of time outside. It's been rainy and sunny, but I got to spend all day outside today. We're starting to plant our herbs, not in the ground yet, but yeah, just like getting stuff ready for the garden. I'm so excited to have a big, beautiful blossoming garden this summer. I saw your little sprouts coming out and I saw that you have catnip there for the little ones. And um, I imagine you got some fruit and veggies or anything like that. Sorry, veggies. We definitely, yeah, we have a lot of vegetables. We do have some fruit trees on the property, um, but I haven't seen any yet in like the five years that I've been visiting this farm. So maybe they just take a little while to get going. But yeah, tons of veggies, garlic, onions. Oh, it's going to be so good. I can't wait to visit in the summer and uh, mm -hmm. get to enjoy that. 
Oh we, yeah, you're gonna have that airstream all to yourself. You're gonna have your own little, you know, teapot and kettle and hot plate, and uh, we're gonna have so much fun. And I know. I, I can't wait to start working on some other things that we have planned as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a pretty awesome email recently. Yeah, I got a message from you, Shanti. Check the email. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, so we did an episode on Barbara Barnes, who wrote a book called The Next Elvis, and Barbara worked at Sun Studio back in the day. We're talking 1950s. This woman was working in the music industry. And yeah, we got this beautiful email from Barbara. She found our episode on her and she, she really listened enjoyed to it. it. Oh my God, she listened to it's... the episode. <sighs> <laughs> and yeah, she was just so sweet and she gave us an update on her life and it was so adorable. She's still involved in music to this day with her uh, like church group and everything. She's 87. Yeah, she knows a lot about Canadian culture and everything. She put in a whole bunch of sweet Canadian things there, which was a nice touch as well. That is like the best when you hear from someone that you've read their book, you give your, you kind of try to retell the story in a way, we give our own little opinions here and there, and then they come back and they say that they liked it. Uh, Yeah, that was... um... I was like literally giddy with excitement, like jumping up and down. And yeah, the first thing I did was write you because I just, I needed to share it with you. So yeah, thanks, Barbara. Honestly, it's incredible. Yeah, Barbara Barnes Sims, such a great book. I would recommend that to anybody. And then thank you to Daniel and Plez at Sun Studio for giving us, for gifting us that book and being like, you guys have to read this. It was such a full circle moment from... Mm -hmm when we went to Sun Studio and obviously that was such an important moment for both of us so I love that we got this little tie-in at the end to you know really make that all the more special. Mm -hmm. Well we also have been doing a lot on the stereo app and we plan to do more. Yeah stereo has been I wasn't I wasn't expecting anything. I wasn't sure what to expect, but it was one of those pleasant surprises where I'm having a lot more fun than yeah, what I thought would happen. So basically the premise of Stereo is that it's a new app and you can go on and you can listen to your favorite podcasters. Do you like an episode? I mean they're they're sometimes they're an hour long. So it's like an entire episode live, so there's no editing. It just it is what it is. It's later on at night usually that we do it. So usually we have a glass of wine or, you know, a beer and we're relaxing and we're chatting, but we're doing all the same stuff. We were talking about the Whitney Houston documentary we talked about the Tina Turner documentary. We talked about the movies that have shaped us. But the different and unique thing, and I think the thing that's making this app, I, I think it's successful. I'm not sure. Like, it's not like a quibby or anything where I'd be like, I'm not touching that. But like, this makes sense to me where you can follow the people that you like. You can listen to their show. 
and you can leave a message. You can, it's essentially a call-in show. So if we're talking about something and I've listened to the girls from Name Three Songs, I've heard their stereo and I've called in and I've left a message and I've asked them questions or I've made a comment and then they play it back so then you people can listen to it and then they respond to it and we'll be doing the same thing. So you can really come on and get involved. Yeah, it's super interactive and it's been fun talking to strangers about things that you know we love to discuss and uh we would definitely love more listeners to hop over there like Shanti yeah said. right now it's like a lot of guys from England which I'm not complaining about but we would love to have some of our <laughs> listeners <laughs> you know if you're listening every week we want to know what does your voice sound like call us and if you guys have ideas on what you guys would love to discuss with us let us know and we will definitely set that up we're usually on Tuesday nights yeah uh, and we'll post on all our social medias every week telling you you know what a topic we're gonna be discussing but yeah it's been a lot of fun I enjoy those nights like you said it's nice to just have a beer relax have like a more of a conversation as opposed to getting down to business and you know facts and all that so although we do always um, show up with notes we always have notes we do so it's like it's not <laughs> that off the cuff because I don't know if we could ever do something like that that's true we're both very uh, detail oriented but yeah it's we like been to a be blast. prepared we do um yeah so please everyone check us out there we will put in the show notes the link where you can sign up for it so do you want to start mm-hmm. this week's episode I'm excited for this me too and I'm especially excited because I am a t-rex fan I have huge oh God, yeah. posters of Mark Bolin. Um, I have a T-Rex fan club t-shirt. So actually, The last time I saw you, you were wearing a Mark Bolin shirt. Yeah, exactly. So I'll dedicate this episode to my friend Ryan, who has gifted me a lot of beautiful Mark Bolin and T-Rex pins and t-shirts and everything. So I, I texted yeah. him and I was like, you have to check out the episode that we're putting out this week because we're talking about June Child and Gloria Jones. And I think this is going to be a really fascinating episode about a very fascinating group of people. Do you like T-Rex? Have you been a fan? Uh, I love T-Rex so much. Mark Bolin was way ahead of his time. He died so young. So, of course, we only have a limited uh, discography. But every song is just amazing. Like, ah, yeah, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I'm constantly uh, dancing around the room to T-Rex. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take the first part because I'm going to talk about June Child. So I got my information from a couple of different places. I got some of it from an article called Rocks Off, June Child, the complete story of Mark Boland's wife and muse. I also got some information from Far Out Magazine, a little bit of IMDb, a little bit of Wikipedia, and the 2017 BBC documentary Cosmic Dancer. Ooh, nice. Yeah, it's like a cool 59 minutes long, and you can find it on YouTube. And there are interviews with both June Child and Gloria Jones. Ooh, I will check that out. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you just get to see Mark Bolin. You get to see T-Rex. You get to see him as a child. You get to watch his evolution. I love his fashion style, too. Every outfit he wore was amazing. Like, head to toe. Yeah incredible and that hair 
Yeah, but you know, it's funny watching the development, the or you know, the growth of that. Because there are some photos of him, some press photos, right at the beginning where he's got short cropped hair and he's, yeah, he's got a tie on. You know, and it it reminded me of Spinal Tap when they go through their first couple of, like, transitions (laughs) before they really become themselves. Yeah. Yeah. We should actually watch Spinal Tap and do a stereo on it. Oh, absolutely. I love that film. It's been a long time, too. Yeah, same. We'll do that soon. Okay. So I really enjoyed watching the documentary on Mark because I think to understand him is to really get a better understanding of the women that were in his life because I had done the research first and I just felt like there were some holes missing. Like there wasn't enough on June to really get a good picture of Mark. But then by watching that documentary, there were, you know, some, like I said, June and Gloria were interviewed. He had a roadie of his that was interviewed. Um, BP, what's his name? Fallon? BP Fallon is in it. So. Nice. Yeah. So again. Lots of familiar faces. Highly recommend. So let's talk about June. June Child was born on August 23rd, 1943 in London. She lived in Fulham with one sister and her parents and had a relatively normal and quiet childhood. That's all I could find. Nothing too notable. It is what it is. She went to school. After she graduated, she began work at a place called Veronique's a firm of fabric importers before leaving that job to work for a photographer whose studio was in the same building on Hanover Street. It was at this time that she started helping out with the un- with some unknown bands such as the Yardbirds and she started working for Pink Floyd. Yeah. Yeah, so she- uh, can you imagine like being that age in England at that time like in that scene? Yeah, it's very Chris O'Dell. Yeah. Mhm. And so she was working for Pink Floyd's management called Black Hill Enterprises. And by 1967, she was dating Sid Barrett. Uh, Another one I love. Mm -hmm. While she worked there, she was also living in an apartment with Peter Jenner, who was managing Pink Floyd. She was fully immersed in the music business. So she began by just running errands for the various members of Pink Floyd, Um, They relied on June to book their gigs, get them food, and she even paid for it sometimes when they had no money. But eventually, like any badass woman in business, she had enough and she refused to do them any more favors unless they paid her. Go June. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Damn. And they did. So it was then that she became the secretary and receptionist for the band and was officially on the payroll. So June has said a few things about Sid. Um, One of the things being about the difficulty of the acid trips he was taking. She said, I went through all Sid's acid breakdowns. He used to come around to my house at five in the morning covered in mud from Holland Park. And he'd freaked out and the police chased him. He used to go to the youth hostel in Holland Park, get wrecked and spaced and walk to Shepherd's Bush where I was living. It's so interesting how there are people who have like very bad trips yet still continually want to do it. Yeah. I the think next like one will after be right? Like I feel like after a certain amount of like terrible incidents, I'd be like maybe this isn't for me. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If only Sid Barrett had the same uh Yeah. I don't know what it's called <laughs> as you do. 
Common she, sense? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Let's call it that. <laughs> the wherewithal, I don't know. So she also had positive things to say about Sid. Sid was very special in an extraordinary way. He wrote wonderful songs. The lyrics were incredible. He was very, very much the creator of the group in those days. And as we know, Sid was asked to leave the band in 1968. And it was around the same time that their relationship ended. At this time, June had already met Mark Bolin, the lead singer of T-Rex and godfather of glam rock. Uh, mm. it just The minute you said his name, I was just like smiley and happy i know in the documentary there's footage of june of june beside him in interviews so he's you just see his face talking first about his musical process how a song comes to him and then it kind of widens the the scene widens and she's just sitting there looking at him lovingly Mm mm-hmm There's uh, footage of them playing chess together and laughing. And while this scene is playing, Mark is quoted by saying, Marriage is a great basis for sanity. I would have opted out years ago without June. T-Rex's publicist, Keith Altman, has said she was enormously important to his career. The way they met was that Mark turned up one day in her office, as was his way, and he was talking about himself and, you know, just very much being an egotistical Mark, but it was um, endearing, I think, at that time. The rock star charm was there. Yeah, his, like, belief in himself before he had even really began was there, and June was taken with him. I would be, too. June was a sexy four years older than him, more worldly, and according to one of the articles that I read, smarter. I I don't doubt it. Who won the world? (laughs) (laughs) June. (laughs) (laughs) Soon after they met, Mark took her for tea to his parents' house and very quickly told her that he loved her. Mark describes this moment saying, We'd known each other only a short while when I asked her home to tea late one afternoon at my parents' prefab in Wimbledon. The sun was bright and hot. We sat with our tea on the lawn. After we held hands there, it was silence. Then I said, June, I think I love you. She replied quietly, I feel the same way about you, Mark. Oh, how sweet. So in the documentary, June describes this moment and the way she says it is priceless. I almost tried to like record it. Yeah. uh, Just play it for you. But I'll just kind of try to tell you in the way that she said it. June says about that day, it was a beautiful summer's day. And he said, would you like some muesli? And I said, (laughs) oh, yes, please. So we sat outside on the grass, cross-legged, eating muesli. And he gave me a beautiful love poem and said, I'm in love with you. I want to have muesli and get a poem about love. In the garden, cross-legged. <laughs> yeah. I know. They eventually moved in together, but I love I love this. Before that, they just slept in her van. Oh, cool. The apartment that they rented together was in Notting Hill Gate. And not only was she his love... It just came naturally to her to become his manager. She was taking care of his bookings and media relations. Uh, She was really influential in raising his profile in the music industry. Wow. Yeah, this is all sounding familiar. Yeah, I know. I know. So many women. Yeah. Makes sense. 
yeah, raising his profile as in like this woman knows music. She has great taste. If she's saying that this like up and coming person is someone we need to look out for, then that's what we're going to do. She drove him to all of his appointments. And if anyone knew Mark Bolin, they knew he was extremely afraid of driving. She actually tried to teach him once, but he got out of the car and refused to drive ever again. Wow. That's pretty... uh eerie yes it was i'm i mean speaking of that if you mentioned that mark was the kind of person that knew he wasn't gonna grow old he hmm. would say this to a lot of people kind of like when yeah when we did the patsy klein episode and patsy had a feeling yeah that wow something was gonna happen mark always had an underlying feeling as well that he might not grow old yeah so as as we know june was an inspiration to mark she was a muse he wrote some amazing music when they were together he would show her his projects and she would be honest with him about what she thought she even helped him type out his lyrics a reason why she might have helped him type out his lyrics was because mark was dyslexic and so also because of that she would read him the lord of the rings books which he was completely fascinated with and which he got a lot of his inspiration for a lot of his writings i saw in the documentary that even though it was during the you know it was the hippie movement it was like very politically driven with vietnam mark stayed out of that it's like he couldn't he couldn't be involved in that for him so yeah. he almost disassociated and went into another world and that's why his music was so magical and just to escape into another place is what he wanted absolutely, to do yeah that makes total sense absolutely right hmm. mark's look can perhaps be credited to june it was the top of the pops where he was seen with the glitter just under his eyes on his cheeks so yeah. Paul Rowland, uh, a T-Rex biographer, said, Glam rock begins when Mark Bolin, accidentally or not, has some glitter under his eye on top of the pops. The first sign we had on British television of who could be dressing up in his girlfriend's clothes, bending and twisting the idea of what it was to be a man. Wow. Uh, love it. Yeah. I did also read, though, that he may have drew inspiration from the like with the makeup and women's clothing from his personal assistant Chalita Secunda. Oh, cool. either way, let's okay. give credit <laughs> to the amazing absolutely. women in Probably his life. From both. Yeah, absolutely. So we're 1970. Yeah, as we know, he was ahead of his time. He, it became common for people like David Bowie and the Rolling Stones to wear, you know, Marianne Faithfull's clothing, to wear Angela Bowie's clothing, to style their hair in, in, in those kinds of ways. But at the time when Mark was doing it, it was fairly uncommon for men to do publicly. Yeah, Bowie really gets most of the credit for the glam rock movement, but Bolin was maybe even before him. Same time, but I'm pretty sure Bowie got inspiration from Bolin. Yeah, are you going to mention Bowie in your piece? Because I am going to yeah, because he comes in in a pretty important way. But I'll leave yeah. that one for you. Okay, yeah. so of the time that June and Mark spent together, June said it was a wonderful time. We were very happy. Tony Visconti, T Rex's producer, said of June, she filled in all of the pieces that were missing in his life. She was his muse, his manager, and soulmate. She dedicated her entire life to him. Wow. So June believed in Mark 110%. 
she also dealt with the practicalities of the music industry so he didn't have to see the nasty side of the music business that reminds me of audrey williams Mm -hmm. hank williams wife as well you know handling all of the business side letting him just Mm -hmm. be the talent Mm -hmm. exactly on january 30th 1970 mark and june married at the kensington registry while they were together between the years of 1970 and 1973, T-Rex released T-Rex in 1970, Electric Warrior in 1971, The Slider in 1972, and Tanks in 1973. So prolific. Thank God, too, because he had such a short time here. I know. Mark and June were both known to have had extramarital affairs. One of Mark's was with the well-known Marsha Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Since it was the 70s, you know, it's rock and roll. It's like, uh, it was hard to know just by the articles what they felt about it. But then watching the documentary kind of cemented what June had felt about it, which I'll tell you in just a moment. But like, when we think about like Ringo and Maureen and what happened with them and how they were almost nonchalant about the other like married like relationships and stuff and everybody knowing a part of it was like cool but a part of it was also like terrible for all of them yeah I think a lot of that has to stem with the fact that that generation got married so young yeah So they're all in their early 20s. They've only really had one or a few love experiences, dating experiences. Then they get married. Then they realize, wait a minute, there's this whole new world opening up. So I get why so many of them ended up committing adultery or having an understanding in their relationship. It makes it makes sense. Yeah. So without stepping on your toes too much and crossing over too much into your territory, I do have to mention that Gloria and Mark's relationship played uh, a role in the end of June and Mark's relationship. And Gloria looking beautiful and amazing in the 2017 documentary that I watched she says that her husband knew mark's wife knew but mark still regarded gloria as her as his partner yeah so mark says that it was june that actually left him and june says i wasn't prepared to play second best to anybody good for her yeah June still felt responsible for Mark. She would bring him food. She would bring him cooked chickens because apparently he couldn't do anything for himself. He was like a man child. He couldn't boil an egg. Yep. Mark's sweet roadie, whose name I didn't catch, sorry, said that Mark continued to love June. They never officially divorced. They only remained separated, which would play another factor later on in Yes. In somebody else's life, which I'm sure you'll get into, so I won't. June says of Mark, he was my best friend. Always, always my best friend. After her relationship with Mark, June started a long live-in relationship with Paul Varley, who was a musician and drummer for The Arrows in 1976. June and Paul became parents and had a daughter named Ilona on July 11th, 1978. Unfortunately, June would die tragically of a heart attack on september 1st 1994 while vacationing in turkey this is a story that i wish that she would have been able to tell on her own terms because Uh, except just except for just being in like you know documentaries here and there a book from her would have been amazing yeah yeah that's a shame 
thank goodness we have so many photos and other people, you know, sharing their story as well, because she was special. And it's, I didn't know just how big a part that she played in his career, but of course, uh, this is what we do. It makes perfect sense. This is how all these women, why they were so pivotal in not only these guys' personal lives, but their careers. Absolutely. Like, I saw something that said about Mark that described him well. His songs literally, physically, and mentally lifted you. And so for someone like that to bring to be such a light in the world, you know that they have to have been with somebody who also created that same kind of light. And June certainly did. Absolutely. Yeah. It's tragic that she died so young. I think she was like in her 50s, huh? Yeah. I mean, she was born in 43 and died in 94. Wow. Damn. So young. That's the story of June Child Bolin. Uh, thank you for that. Some of it anyways. Some of it. <laughs> well, we're still going to be talking about June here and there. Um, but I will get started on letting you know a little bit about Gloria. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. The name's Harry Dolowich from New York City, and I'd like you to join me with the help of an incredible cast of actors like Richard Kind, Louis Black, Melanie Linsky, and Bobby Cannavale for the unbelievable true story of how I rose from nothing to something after taking over the one business the mafia was too blind to see, the chocolate syrup business. So come slurp up the first 10 fizzy installments of King of the Egg Cream, wherever you get your podcasts. So Gloria was born Gloria Rochetta Jones on October 19th, 1945. So she's going to be 76 this year. She was born in Cincinnati. Her family later moved to Los Angeles when she was around seven or eight years old. It was there in Los Angeles that she really began to get involved in music. Her uncle was a jazz musician and her dad was a minister So, of course, like so many other women that we've talked about, she got her start in the church singing gospel. She also began to play the piano, and later on in her career, she would receive an advanced classical degree in the works of Bach. So she's like an ace piano player. Wow. Yeah. I also read that when she was growing up, her mother worked five jobs at once so that she could afford piano lessons for her. And her mother was like a huge supporter in her talent and really pushed her to 
be all she could be. So another That's amazing. That's why I'm woman. never having kids. <laughs> I can barely right? handle five two jobs. jobs. <laughs> five jobs. No thanks. Pay for your own piano lessons. No. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Great support around her. By the time she was 14, she was already making a name for herself. So Gloria helped form a gospel group called the Kojiks, the Kojiks. It stood for Church of God in Christ. C-O-G-I-C. The Kojiks, the Kojiks. You say banana. I say banana. (laughs) I don't actually, but you get the point. So they were also known as the Teenage mm. Wonders, which I prefer since I can actually well, they, say well, that. Well, would say banana because <laughs> she's British. That's true. Would you like a banana? Other members of the band were Andre Crouch and his twin sister, Sandra. Edna Wright. Edna was Darlene Love's sister, and she later fronted a group called the Honeycone. Another woman in the group was Sandra Williams. She went by the name Blinky, and she's actually best known for singing the female lead on the TV show Good Times, like the theme song. Yeah. Some other people that were in the group, Frankie Carl and Billy Preston, and they went on to work with people like Little Richard, Sam Cooke, Ray Charles, even the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Well, Little Richard and the Beatles, of course, were inspirations to Mark. Makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. I love how everything ties into everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the Teenage Wonders, as I'm going to call them, they were a ridiculously talented group. They recorded one LP together in 1964, and that was called It's a Blessing. Mm -hmm. It's their only LP. So Gloria's entering her late teens at this point, so her music taste is beginning to shift. Gospel, of course, was at her heart, but she was getting into what was on the radio and everything. So a songwriter named Ed Cobb entered the picture, and she ended up signing with him and his production company, and he recorded with her her first hit, which was called Heartbeat. That song would later be recorded by Dusty Springfield, Spencer Davis, and more. It's, it's also called Heartbeat Part 1 and Part 2. You can actually find footage on YouTube of Gloria performing this song in the 60s and I definitely recommend checking out it's a really fun performance Um, another song that she recorded then that I recommend people check out is called my bad boys coming home (laughs) I just like the title (laughs) so Ed Cobb penned the song that Gloria is probably best known for she was the original singer of the song tainted love no yeah so her right Her version was released in 1965. At the time, it wasn't really a big sensation, but in a few years, in the early 70s, it became such a staple in England at clubs who had Northern Soul Nights. That's what they called them. And she was actually dubbed the Queen of Northern Soul because of this. We're not quite there yet in the story, though. It's 1966, And she's just released her first solo album, which was called Come Go With Me. After that album was released, she decided she wanted to branch out. So she toured as a background singer for people like Ike and Tina, Joe Cocker, tons more. And she did vocals for Ry Cooter's debut album. And she also began to work on the stage in theater. 
1968, she was cast in Come Go With Me, which was a rock and roll soul take on Shakespeare's Othello, which sounds <laughs> very interesting. I'd go see it. Right? I'd go see it. Absolutely. Yeah. Wait, wait until you hear who the other cast members were. You got the Blossoms. You got they were a girl group featuring Darlene Love, um, a jazz musician, a blues jazz musician named Dr. John, and Jerry Lee Lewis was in it. Very bizarre. Oh, okay. Very strange. I wasn't expecting that, but yeah. it, I'm not surprised. Of course, she also performed in some other plays, including the legendary Hair. So did Marsha Hunt. Oh, cool. So... Around this time, she was approached by a woman named Pam Sawyer who worked for Motown Records. She was asked to write songs for other artists. And because Gloria had originally been been a singer with them, she was asked to write her songs under a pseudonym. And that would be Laverne Ware. So anytime you see a song written by Laverne Ware, it's Gloria. Okay, sorry. Why? They said that because she was already listed as a singer for Motown, that they, for some reason, didn't want singers to also be known as writers, I guess. Okay, that doesn't make sense to me, but go on. Makes no sense to me either, but that's what Motown was doing back then. All right. So Gloria ended up writing songs for artists like The Commodores, The Four Tops, Jackson 5, Marvin Gaye and Diana Ross, The Supremes. And in 1971, her song, If I Were Your Woman, which was performed by Gladys Knight and the Pips, it was nominated for a Grammy. Oh, wow. Okay, that actually reminded me of the documentary that I watched when... Mark there's footage of Mark sitting with Gloria and they're both like looking so young and gorgeous and he said I knew she was a great singer but I didn't know she was a great writer too yeah exactly so now that makes sense to me like well well, why didn't he know now I get it okay and yeah she wasn't writing hits for herself she was sending them out and to the world for other Mm -hmm. people to record I hope she got paid well for that I probably not (laughs) but I hope so too but uh Mm-hmm. I know she had financial issues later. So okay. by 1973, she ended up leaving Motown because she wanted to focus on some other work. So it was actually back in 1969 while performing in Hair that Gloria first met Mark. Well, later touring in Europe, they met again, just hanging out. And in 1972, Gloria's name ended up coming up by a Warner Brothers executive when Mark and T-Rex were looking for some women to do background vocals. So Gloria goes in for an audition. Of course, she's amazing. They hit it off. They offer her the gig. She's in the band. And for that first year that she's in the band, they were platonic. They were just friends. They were getting to know each other. And of course, as you said, this is also an interesting thing. I When I was looking up Gloria, you mentioned she said, like, my husband knew, June knew. I tried to look up information on when she got married to her first husband, who he was, and I couldn't find anything. But I did find an article where she mentions my husband. So 
he existed, but I can't really tell you anything more than that. Yeah, and I couldn't find anything on June's childhood. Yeah, very strange, but... Which is why these episodes are perfect. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So yeah, Gloria says, All my friends were saying he likes you, but I wasn't sure. Mark returned to London, but he called me every day. One day he said, My phone bill is so large, you may as well take a flight over here. That's when it became different. So Gloria had actually recorded her second album, which was titled Share My Love, and that came out in 1973. And it really was well received by the critics, but she never toured or promoted it, even though the label like really wanted her back. But she didn't because in her words, I got a call from Mark and he said, I need you to come and help me finish an album in Germany. I made the decision to go with him. I sent my management a telegram from Germany saying, sorry, I'm in love. (laughs) Yeah. So after Gloria and Mark fell in love, she relocates to England, obviously, to be with him. Um, On September 25th, 1975, Gloria gave birth to their son, Roland Bolin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is super embarrassing, but I have to share it because it was so ridiculous but after I was writing out all of my notes and everything for this episode I kept getting Roland Boland stuck in my head but it was coming out as the limp biscuit like keep rolling bowling rolling bowling (laughs) and I've had that stuck in my head for like over a week now it's driving me crazy Wow, that's even worse than <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> bowling, bowling. So now, hopefully, I, <laughs> maybe I've like sent it out into the universe now. It can, someone else can go to You can release yeah. it. Thank you. Back to Mark and Gloria. That is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't say I liked Limbiscuit. I'm just showing my age here, though. But uh... you also didn't say that you didn't like Limbiscuit. <laughs> Well, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) So from what I've read, both Gloria and Mark were very much hands-on parents, very happy parents. They really wanted Roland. They really took the responsibility seriously. Before that, of course, they were in the rock and roll scene. There was, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of lifestyle going on. But that definitely shifted them away from that kind of lifestyle of course still have fun here and there I'm sure but he wasn't like heavily into drugs or anything and he really wanted to make sure that he was a good father yeah he was saying in the documentary that his son looks like him and that it was almost it was the reason for him to get straight and to exactly put the energies in, into that. Yeah. I read a quote from Gloria talking about how fantastic Mark's friends were through all of this. And I wanted to add one thing, which was that Ringo Starr, apparently when he when Roland was born, he gifted him a silver cup and Paul and Linda McCartney sent a teddy bear with daisies. Uh, yeah, Ringo and Maureen spent a lot of time with Mark in June. Yeah. And Mark yeah, and they, Ringo were like good friends. 
They really were. Yeah, they made that film together for the T-Rex fans. And yeah, it seemed by like 70. Are we in 76 right now? 73, 74. Oh, okay. So we're not there yet. But I was going to say like. We're almost. Yeah. Mark was starting to look good again and be on stage and look like himself again and was almost easing into the punk scene almost effortlessly. Oh, yeah. Without trying to be anyone else, without trying to imitate anyone else. And a lot of that, a lot of people in that scene had looked up to him. Absolutely. He was known as like the godfather of punk. Yeah. Yeah. I have a quote from Gloria. She said, life was always exciting with Mark. He was so alive. Two months after Roland was born, he took us to the Tramp Club in London. We went early before other people arrived, and the girls would watch the baby as Mark and I went on the dance floor. I'd dance, Mm -hmm. and he'd watch me, and then he'd go out and twirl and say, this is how it's done. There was always Mm -hmm. a lot of laughter in our life. We were just having fun. I love that. Right? It sounds like they really were meant to find each other at that time. So yeah, you can have perhaps multiple soulmates. You can. I believe that Mm -hmm. for sure. T-Rex ended up putting out, like as you said, five albums that featured Gloria from 1974 to 1977. They also worked together on Gloria's 1976 solo album, which was titled Vixen. Love the name. I bet it's great. Right? Mm-hmm. He produced the album and it features five songs written by Bolin and two that they co-wrote together. Those songs were titled Cry Baby and High. And it also features an updated version of Tainted Love because at this point, Gloria had blew up in England and they were calling her the Queen of Northern Soul and everything. So they wanted to get a new version out there to hit the dance floors with. And I like both versions. Uh, I would I'd suggest checking them out. Mm-hmm. On September 16th, 1977, Mark Bolin ended up dying in a car crash. He was just 29 years old, which just blows my mind. So Gloria and Mark had gone out for an evening with their friends. And while driving home, as you said, Mark doesn't like to drive. So Gloria mm-hmm. was driving and they accidentally ended up crashing into a tree. So Mark was in the passenger side, and I think he died immediately. Gloria thankfully survived, but she had a broken jaw, a broken leg, a broken foot, severe internal injuries. They were in a mini Clubman car, like a a tiny mini car. Oh my God, was he? Okay, I didn't know the kind of car that he was in, but um, I forget who said it, but it was somebody talking about Mark Bolin when Mark was looking up to people like James Dean. The guy said, well, don't look up to James Dean so well because you don't want to die in a Porsche. And Mark said, oh, I won't die in a Porsche. I'm just small. I'll die in a Mini. And he did. Oh. And that's the thing. He probably would have survived had it been a bigger car. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he was probably he probably wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Probably not. Yeah. From what I from what I heard from or from what I read about the crash. Gloria said, I didn't come out of shock for over 14 years. Mm. It was all so difficult for me to understand. And my body was trying to heal. When I think about the accident now, I think about Roland. Because without him and my other son, I don't know if I would have made it. 
Mark was my soulmate, but Roland was nearly two when his father died. How could I not go on? Mark would not have wanted oh, that. No. She mentions another child here, just like the ex-husband or previous husband. I couldn't find any information on when she had that child, if it was before or okay. after. So now we get into some legal issues that I'm sure yeah. you know about. So yes, unfortunately, because Mark was still married to June at the time and not Gloria, her and Roland ended up getting nothing financially. So Gloria and Roland ended up having to move back to Los Angeles so that she could have some support from her family. In an interview I read on Far Out Magazine's site, Roland says that things were really tough for them when he was growing up. So this is where a guardian angel known as the Thin White Duke, or perhaps mm -hmm. Ziggy Stardust, or Aladdin mm -hmm. Insane, mm -hmm. David Bowie steps in. So Bowie was, I guess, a super fan and a friend and sort of, I don't want to say enemy because they weren't enemies, but rival yeah. of Mark's in like the best possible way. Like they uh, respected each other so much and they still had a friendship, but there was, you know, just like a Lennon-McCartney thing at the time, probably, right? Like, yep. They make each other better by exactly challenging each other. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So when Bowie found out that they were struggling, Roland says... David's generosity helped us to survive. It wasn't just financial help. He kept in regular touch by phone, and his first and last words were always, don't hesitate to tell me if there's anything I can do. Ah, another angel, huh? But then upon June's death in 1994, yes. Mark's... Um, he inherited the estate. Estate, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, before we get just there, um, in 1978, Gloria released her album, which was called Windstorm. On the back of the cover, it reads, Special dedication in memory of my son's father, the late Mark Bolin, who we miss very much. Gloria, after this, worked in the music business where she could. In 1981, she once again worked with Ed Cobb, and she released another album, aptly titled Reunited. Mm. That same year is when Soft Cell covered Tainted Love and a whole new generation discovered the song and it became a massive, massive 80s hit. That did gain her a little bit more fame, but nothing major. Probably she didn't have like any publishing rights or yeah. credit or whatever. So it was probably she got paid once for that song and it wasn't like every time it's used you get. Exactly. I mean, I don't know how this stuff really works. Well, um how like that legal stuff works, but I but yeah, yeah. Ed, <laughs> Ed Cobb wrote it, so I'm sure he's the one rolling oh, in right, that money. Right. Yeah, okay. Got yeah. It. She also did a short reunion with the Kajiks, the Teenage Wonders. And she began to work as a mu musical supervisor on some films. So as we stated, in 1994, when June passed, that is when Roland ended up inheriting his father's estate. And pretty much since then, Roland and Gloria have really made it their mission to carry on Mark's legacy. Perfect. Yeah. In 2010, her and Roland created the Mark Bolin School of Music, which is located in... Sierra Leone 
I believe she also lives there now on her site, The Gloria Jones. It says she's been living there for the past four years. I'm just unsure of when that was last updated. Right. On the website for the school, it reads, The Mark Boland School of Music is a project that hopes to achieve such a vision for the children of Sierra Leone. We want, as Mark Boland did, to inspire them, to give them the chance to learn, to play music instruments, to write, to compose, to produce records, and to be heard by the world. So they're yeah. doing a good job over there. Great. In 2013, Gloria was featured in the Oscar-winning documentary, 20 Feet from Stardom. Oh, I love that about, one. You know, right? That's another one we should rewatch and I discuss I need to rewatch stereo. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, Darlene Love, who she previously worked with, is also in that, and many other unbelievable singers from that era. So before we wrap up, last year T-Rex was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Gloria says that three days before the announcement, Mark visited her in a dream and that (gasps) he was pacing back and forth, and she told him in the dream not to worry. Like, you got this. Like, it's happening. So on the nomination, she said, it's going to be such a wonderful moment. This award is not just for our family, but for all the loyal fans and friends and people who understand Mark's dream in creating. We're just going to be together and smile and cry and enjoy this wonderful moment. Before we finish, I just wanted to add that I got a lot of this information, especially the quotes and everything from websites like Far Out Magazine, Bolin World, Ultimate Classic Rock, We Are the City. So shout out to those publications. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome to revisit Mark Bolin through the eyes of these incredible women who loved him and played such pivotal roles in his career. Yeah. And of course, they're just as incredible even more incredible they were pivotal for rock history not just mark bolin history but rock history so absolutely this was great i'm so glad we thought to do a mark bolin one and i know so many of our listeners are also super fans so i know anytime a photo of mark goes up on our instagram it's just yeah drooly faces i'm excited for this because like i i'm there's so many great pictures of mark with both of them that like i think i'm gonna put two separate posts for the one episode just so people can see more of them great idea yeah Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening once again. As always, you can head over to TikTok at MusesPod. Follow us there. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're everywhere. If you haven't left us a review and a five-star rating yet on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate that. And And make sure to follow our link in the show notes to download the Stereo app so you can start joining in on the conversation with us every week. Yeah, that would be super fun. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. And Lynx, thank you so much. And thank you. As always, (laughs) it's a pleasure. Yeah, it sure is. We'll see everybody next week. See you next week. Muses is researched, edited, and produced by us, Chantella Mew and Lynx O'Leary. Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of the Go Kid Go Network. Do your kids love wacky worlds, superheroes, and inventing? Of course they do. 
That's why our shows Bobby Wonder and Lucy Wow are set in Pflugerville, the nonstop fun and adventure universe where imagination, creativity, STEM, and positive role models abound. Join the Pflugerville fun by searching for Bobby Wonder and Lucy Wow on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.